This is the good part. Caroline was my home, my heart, my family. Her family had welcomed me unequivocally and made it clear that I was their son. We adventured, we deepened our relationship, we planned for the future. We welcomed Finn and Nix, our first dog and second cat, into the mix. But the growth of our family was dependent on me not remaining where I was. My job was insufficient. And thanks to Eric and Anne Marie's refusal to fund or equip my education, my options were limited. I knew that I needed to buckle down for some difficult days to invest in our future. I quit my job. This is Girl Found, a grafting podcast. I don't recommend this path for anyone, but I knew that if I was ever going to improve my situation financially and for the future, it had to be drastic. I gave my two weeks notice, took out a $2,500 loan, and used that money to sign up for a 19-day intensive EMT course, a program that traditionally takes four months. I didn't have a job lined up for after school. I didn't know how I would pay back that loan, much less keep up my car payment and other bills. But I was hopeful. And what's even more powerful, I was determined. September of 2019, I left for my three-week intensive. I lived in a cabin and existed in the world of emergency medicine. We woke at five, went to bed at midnight, and every moment between was spent in lecture, scenarios, or studying we became family. Simultaneously, this was one of the greatest tests of Caroline and my relationship. The distance was hard, despite seeing each other once a week. It was confirmation that we were meant to spend our lives together. Finals week, I got a phone call from Erin, my sister. Help, I'm locked in my room, and Dad is beating on the door. I'm afraid he's going to hurt me. Aaron begged me not to call the police. I don't know what to do, but don't call the police. That will only make things worse. I still called. The Fletcher police arrived, separated Eric, Anne-Marie, and Aaron, interviewing each of them. No charges were filed. Nothing happened. They simply told Aaron she needed to find a new place to stay. So she did. All four children rejected. All four children cut off. But all four children free. We're not always united. We see things so very differently. But the one thing that unites us the deepest is that we experience the same hell together. And we all got out. I've been asked, were your parents actually abusive? Or did they just make mistakes? Was it a pattern, or was it a one-off that you refused to forgive them for? Listener, I invite you to think back on the stories I've told you. You know now 
that each of us children didn't rebel and flip off Eric and Anne-Marie and run off to live a life free from conscience. Each of us, in turn, was rejected by them in such a way that it looks like we were the ones who rejected them. The story I have told is one of abuse. And it is a shame. It is unforgivable and truly appalling that Eric and Anne-Marie still have a position of leadership. Furthermore, as this history has been told to the leadership of the church they serve, with no change, it is reflective of the morality of those who continue to claim to be merciful and just. On October 4, 2019, I graduated my EMT program and came home, but not before one of my instructors pulled me aside and told me that she was part of a paramedic program starting on the 8th that would most likely be free for me. Kim Anthony is the reason I have a career today. I had my EMT. I was starting school a two-hour, one-way commute away, and I didn't have a job but I knew I had done the right thing. It was hard, but it was so that we'd be so much better. With so much uncertainty, one night in the shower, I pulled the curtain back. Caroline, I said, I think I'm non-binary. There's more to this story, so keep listening through this short. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Unclockable. Unclockable makes feel-good, gender-affirmative products for femmes by femmes. They exist to help you be you and wear what you want. If you haven't seen it for yourself, their tuck kit is euphoric. With Unclockable, your tuck is swim-proof and gym-proof and will never show a panty line, so you can securely express yourself, live your life, and keep your parts private. Whether you're new to tucking or have been doing it for some time, Unclockable is something to try out. Right now, you can get a home try-on kit for just $12.95, and U.S. shipping is included. 
Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their first order. Just go to unclockable.com forward slash girl found or use the code girl found at checkout. Unclockable. Be you. When you're seen, good things happen. Unclockable's tuck kit has been life-changing for me. I wouldn't be able to express myself with the level of confidence, bravery, or just feel damn hot without the tuck kit. It never slips, it's medical-grade adhesive, and once it's on, it's on. I've been able to go to the beach, wear leggings confidently, and all kinds of other affirming euphoric clothing without ever having to worry about slippage or anything else distasteful that might leave me less than confident. It's worth it. If you tuck, you should be using Unclockable's Tuck Kit. Welcome back to Girl Found. I have one of my favorite guests with me back again today. Hi. Hi, it's me. (laughs) Um, How many times have we tried to record this interview now? This is just the second time. It's just the second time. We we did the first one, and then it didn't save. Are you okay talking about this? I know it's like kind of an emotional thing. (laughs) You know, the, the wound is still a little fresh, but I'll be okay. Okay, okay. So, uh, how are you? Vibin'. You know, we're good. We're happy. Yeah. All's well. <laughs> and the end of the world is just, it's, it's a rumor. It's nothing more. Listen. To quote, <laughs> to quote something in the Bible, it goes along the lines of there is nothing new under the sun. That's Ecclesiastes. It was written by King Solomon. And listen, so they say. Not a big Bible gal myself, but I do find comfort in those words. Hmm. Fair enough. I do find I do find a certain amount of comfort in knowing that worse things have happened, and worse things will happen. Mm. I prefer the words. It's the circle of life. <laughs> same same concept, but at least. This one is sung instead of. It's a little more upbeat, a yeah, more, a little more of perky. Sobbed through tears like Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thanks for jumping on with me tonight. Happy to be here. I really do enjoy doing this. I know it makes me feel really special. Also, I know I'm like you know the VIP guest because I'm the you wife. Are. So, you know, it just it's good for my ego. <laughs> well. Um, today, I, in case you haven't figured it out yet, if you're a new listener or you're really bad placing, like, hints, uh, I have with me my wife, Caroline, um, and we're going to talk about how we are still together. (laughs) Um, well, so far in season three, most of it has dealt with some of the stuff that I have had to figure out. Um, mostly since we've known each other and, and some of the stuff that has gone down in that time. Um, yeah. So like, um, quitting my job, um, going to school, all of these things. Um, we haven't talked about this, but it's the case, um, our, our little um, stint um, 
where we didn't have a home. Um, and, and we stayed in, uh, your parents' attic for eight months. I'd rather call it the bonus room. The bonus room Attic sounds nice. a little sketchy. We just, like, lived with my parents for a few months. It was chill. It wasn't like we were homeless. It was like... <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Um, it, it was an ordeal. Um, but there was that. There was commuting back and forth from school. Um, there was, um... What else? A lot, a lot has. I happened. mean, I quit my job. Yeah. You quit your job. We both have new jobs now, new career paths, mm-hmm. new hopes, new dreams. Mm-hmm. We still don't know what we're doing with our lives, and we're still financially unstable. Um, but YOLO, you know. We have each other. <laughs> um, so, what I want to ask is this. Um, and I hope that we'll be able to answer this question in the coming podcast. In this essay, I will. No. Um, despite all of those things, which they, many of them have been relationship-ending things that we have been through, we have stayed together. Um, I don't know if it's because we have attachment issues or <laughs> we're dedicated, but here we are today. Um and we've made it. And I have had a lot of people ask us, how, how did we make it? How did we survive? Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, your experience since we've been together of, of crisis and how we have made it through crisis. Um, yeah. Tell, tell me about your life with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. That is quite a loaded question. <laughs> I think if you just start talking about your life with me, don't you don't have to address the how are we still together part yet. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, I don't even know where to start because if you would have told Caroline circa 2018 that this is where she would be right now, she would have had a panic attack instantaneously, and then. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, the world was her oyster, so anything could have happened. Um, But in the time, at least from my perspective, in the time that we've been together, I have fallen in love with teaching, fallen out of love with teaching, became very angry with the education system, quit my job as a teacher, dawdled around for, you know, a few months, figuring out what I was doing, and then... Some of that dawdling turned into a new career path. On your end, I mean, I, oh, I kind of forgot a big one. I kind of wrote a book. I also changed, like, my identity entirely. <laughs> that also happened, I guess. While I was, you know, dawdling around at different jobs, I was also dawdling around with my own personal identity and the state of my marriage. That that is forever how I'm referring to gender and sexual expression and identity is dawdling, just just dawdling around, you know. It it sounds almost like it's a um, euphemism. Anyway, done are the days where we call it a journey to find yourself, a time of self expression. We're dawdling. We're dawdling, just having a time, and I think I'm still dawdling. Fair I think enough. we're always dawdling. At least I've kind of come to terms with the fact that you and I will always be dawdling. Mm. Therapy's helped me with that. Thanks, Jalen. That's that's a different thing. Um, 
we won't go off on that tangent, but, and then on your perspective, kind of circling back, on your end, I've seen you quite honestly never in a job that you loved. I've seen you work very hard for minimal recognition. I've seen you get treated like shit. I've seen you escape that. I've seen you, and we're just talking about work. Because, <laughs> like, y'all know the whole family thing, too. I've seen you fall into a job that you could love. I've seen you have really good days at that job. I've seen you fall out of love with that job. Dawdling, you know, we just keep dawdling. <laughs> I've seen you change in a lot of ways in your relationship with the world around you. I've watched you grow from someone who was meek, someone who was often a doormat, Someone who didn't always have her best interests in mind turn into somebody who is strong and confident, but still empathetic, still kind. But she doesn't let as many people treat her like a doormat. Only one out of five people get to walk away from me now. <laughs> Uh, and you can too, <laughs> with your free trial of transition. No, it's Ouch. not free. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Um, so through these things, um, and I would also like to add that during our time together, we have, um, well, you've witnessed me getting cut off by my family. Mm -hmm. um, you have seen me. Uh, rescue my youngest sibling, um, who stayed with us for 10 days, yeah. I think. Um, you've seen me grieve and process the loss of my parents. You've seen me lose my adopted mother and grieve that. Um, there's been a lot of loss since we've been together. Um, I think... I forget what the context was, but you said recently, I feel like we've lived so many lives together already. And boy, if that isn't the case. Um, so with all of these lives, um, all of this bad stuff, how are we still here? Well, I think we're both really stubborn. I'm not. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I think, I think I just know that no one else is going to be better for me than you. I think from kind of a selfish perspective, you make me kinder and more gentle. You make me more patient and more empathetic. You make me more aware. I feel like you're buttering me up here a little bit. <laughs> Like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Okay. I think, aside from what you do for me, I see you as a model for what so many people should be. Someone who is strong, but kind. 
we've talked about that a lot, you and I, the, the fact that you have this magical ability to be confident, strong, but also incredibly kind and empathetic and gentle with the people around you. To be so emotional, but also aware. And I think the way you see the world around you with such big wide eyes and such a glimmer of hope and such room for optimism and such freedom for others to be the person that they want to be rather than who they were raised to be. I think that's really admirable. I think you're pretty great too. (laughs) Oh my God. Whoa. And I think when I see you and when I've seen you over every life we have lived together, it's like, you know how people believe in soulmates or they don't believe in soulmates. And, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you can have multiple soulmates. Like you're not limited to one. I think every version of you has completed me in a different way. I kind of think of us in like three stages. Mm-hmm. And and I think all three of those stages kind of created a, a nice pie <laughs> that has helped make me a better person. And, you know, some of those bites of pie might have a little more cinnamon and some of those bites of pie might have rainbow sprinkles or some of those bites of pie might have a cookie crust instead of a graham cracker crust, you know. This sounds like your kind of pie. <laughs> you know, maybe one section's topped with whipped cream. You know, there, there are lots of different mm-hmm. options, but they're all good. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that is that I've held closest to me through all of this is the fact that every version of you, whenever I've felt like the version of you I loved was slipping through my hands, I was confident in the fact that the new version of you would be just as wonderful as the previous versions. Just with like a little bit of seasoning changed, you know, like maybe like... Ev number one was like a nice cheesy pasta. Ev number two was like French fries. And then Ev number three was like a really good grilled cheese. You're making a lot of food pun uh, food <laughs> comparisons tonight. Are you hungry? Um, so uh, despite all of the things that have changed, um, there have been some constants through through all of the things that we've had to adjust to. There have been some things that we have managed to keep the same. Um, and I think that those things have managed to... Um, well, I think that they're what our relationship was kind of built on. Um, things like spending time outside. Um, do you feel like our investment in things that we do together, adventures, if you will, um, have played a part in us surviving the negatives? 
I think they've always been a safe space, as cliche as that is. I think no matter what the circumstances, we could always run to the woods. And when we were in the woods or on a river or in a lake, wherever that was, it was just us. And we couldn't have any influence from outside factors. There were no other voices casting their opinions on our relationship or what either of us should be doing in the relationship. And that's not just from like people we know. That's from social media. That's from literature. That's from a, a range of things. It's all the all the things that our brains take in on a daily basis were those were cut off when we ran to the woods and it was it was home for us a lot of the times when we felt like we didn't have a stable home mm-hmm. and I say that knowing the privilege that I've had to have always had a very stable home um when I say that I mean more from from Ev's perspective but also a home for the two of us a place where both of us felt safe in our relationship if that, I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. How have things gotten better in the time that we've been together? What, how is life better uh, because we've stuck it out? And I, I recognize that people listen to this and go, well, they've only been together like three years. But I think that we've been through enough things that while we might not be able to give advice, I, I think that we've been through enough that we can do a little bit of self-reflection at this point. The thing that stands out to me the most is that you're happier. And with you being happier, life moves a little bit differently. And as, as dull as it sounds, I think that's, that's the big one. I like... I don't think our lifestyle has really changed mm-hmm. all that much. I think we can get into the nuances of experiencing the world as a queer couple. But but I think the biggest thing is is your happiness. But I also think something that has stood out is the fact that so many things have have stayed consistent. You look at us and you think, wow, so much has changed. And the thing you think about first, uh, when you look at us is, oh, as a woman. But when you get past that, not a ton has changed. We're still very outdoorsy. We're still active. We still... We spend our time in the same ways. We're still interested in the same things. I still go to bed at 10 o'clock. She <laughs> still, still works night shift. Still wake up at the ass track of dawn. <laughs> you know, we... So, mu- so much is still the same. We still have banter back and forth. Ev still cooks all of our meals. I still eat what Ev cooks. I Like... You still do most of the cleaning. I do clean a lot. You know, I... I, We have a few more animals, but like, 
We always knew that was going to happen. Truly. <laughs> and I think it's interesting because I know when I first, when we were at the beginning of this, I thought so much would change. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's really changed is that you're happier and you're a woman. We're still in jobs that we enjoy most of the time. There are things we're interested in, at least. We're still going on adventures. We're still spending time with friends. We're still renting because we can't afford to buy a home. We're still, like, not super financially stable. You know, and I'm sure down the road we're going to run into more things that, that will be different. But what about you? Oh, no. I'm just here to listen. I, I think it's interesting that change is not something that you very much enjoy um and that you like things to remain relatively the same Mm -hmm. um and so i think that it has been i'm not saying it's been easy for us to get through everything that's happened but i think it would be a lot harder if things did change yeah um the fact that life is pretty much the same is probably a good thing It makes it easier to palette, I suppose. When people find out our story, when um, we come up at all, especially the fact that we met before I transitioned, one of the first questions that people always ask is, um, how was your relationship? And it's easy for us to talk about it now. Um... It's easy to talk about the fact that you stayed. Um, It's easy to talk about the fact that we've survived it, that we've managed, that we've adjusted. But for a little while there, it... That's not the way it looked. Tell me a little bit about the aftermath for you. The immediate aftershock of processing the information that I was not who you thought I was. It's hard to go back to that because I don't remember a lot of it anymore. Um, I would say, I'm going to talk like in reference of, let's say like the first week. So the first week post coming out. I was convinced that we were separating. I cried every day. I, because of the person I am, researched the shit out of everything. And did a lot of spiraling at how scary a lot of the things I read sounded. Um, I told very few people... And every time it came up I or I thought about it, I would start crying. There was... we. I stand by the fact that it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. And I say that knowing that I have a lot of privilege. And I say that knowing that it was also very, very difficult for Ev. For you. Why do you think it was so difficult? 
I mean, my world was turned upside down. My, I remember thinking that this would be something that would have a massive effect on our life and that I didn't get a say. And I realize how that comes across to a lot of people, especially a lot of, a lot of strong queer allies. I was simultaneously thrilled for her to be able to be herself after so many years of turmoil and also absolutely devastated for myself. And when you Google, my partner came out as trans. It's not good. It's not a good time. Because you get two very polar opinions, polarizing opinions. You get opinion one, which is, how dare your partner do that? Of course you, you have to leave. And then you get, I can't believe you're upset about this. You should be happy for your partner. This is great. This is going to be great for you. This is absolute. you're not an ally if you don't support this and you're not happy about this. And that was it. Those were, those were the options I felt like I had. There was no story of, fuck, this is shit. Like, wow, your, your world's really getting turned upside down, but it's going to be okay. There was no gentle hand-holding blog. It was either your partner's a bad person or you're a bad person. And that didn't feel great. Especially since I was in such a vulnerable emotional position. You know, I was reading this and also being such an advocate for the queer community. I felt horrible. I was like, shit, I'm supposed to be fucking thrilled about this. Am I a bad ally? How does this define my progressive agenda, if you will. Like, what is, what is the right answer? And, and because that's how my brain works. My brain wants a logical answer and there wasn't one. There was no, you know, when you Google, like, as a child, am I gay? Or do I need to shave my legs? And it's all like, it's a personal choice. You can choose whatever you want. And I'm like, no, I have to, I need to know the freaking answer. That's how I felt. Except both of my options led me to, you're a terrible human. I couldn't talk about it with you. I, I remember that week I was driving home from work late at night in the dark. And I got off work late and it was, you know, I was exhausted. I was emotionally, physically drained completely. And it, there is, there's a, a red light at a pretty busy intersection. And I drove through it on a red light. And I, by inches, almost 
got hit by a car and it would have been on my side and it, it would have been, it would have caused a lot of trauma. And I remember getting home and thinking, I don't know who to tell this to. This is something I'd come home and be like, holy shit, I almost got hit by a fucking car. But that seems so minuscule compared to everything that's happening right now. And all of these things were going through my mind at the same time of, holy shit, I, no one's there to support you. Like, someone's got to support you. Where are you getting support? If this is really what we're doing, then we've got to find a doctor. We've got we've to get the ball rolling. we got to start a freaking savings account for this. Like, if we want to have biological children, we got to jump on that. Like, we got to get the ball rolling. I've come to terms with the fact that I also don't have an answer for people who Google my partner just came out as trans. What do I do? I, I, I have thought and thought and thought and thought about what I would say to someone. What I would say to myself. What advice I would give. What, how to sum up my experience. And... I, I come out speechless every time. To feel like your world is falling apart while also feeling like you're a terrible person. While also feeling housing insecurity and, you know, because what if you do have to leave? Feeling job insecurity of like, oh, well... How is this going to affect my place of work? Now I'm gay. Like, oh God, hate crime. Like, you know, how is this going to affect my day to day? All of those things. I didn't see a version of life where I came back from that. But I did. And it all took the one thing in the world that I never gave myself. And that was time. And I look back at that now. All of those feelings I felt good, bad, everything in between. I think about the moments where I told people that this was happening. And all I... Standing where we are, as happy as we are. The only thing I can think to tell that version of myself... To tell any version of myself during our relationship prior to your transition was to encourage you to come out sooner. And so maybe I do have an answer to what I would write in my silly little blog post. And I guess that would be the world's worst advice. To rip the band-aid off and give it time. Go to therapy. Just to close out, um, do you have any funny experiences 
any funny stories from being a person who found themselves queer suddenly a year and a half ago who had always considered herself straight up until that point and how the world interacts with queer people as you've suddenly come to understand any good stories from the way people interact with you as a queer person I think I am realizing and I'm not shitting on straight people I'm just saying that people that aren't in queer relationships can't experience this but it's the number of times that you experience heteronormity in your day-to-day life in that you're sitting with a group of people and they're all talking about their husbands and you're like can't relate like not a thing that's because i'm an angel (laughs) and when you say talking about their husbands you mean like coworkers shitting on their husbands like around the lunch table kind of situation yeah i mean any situation where like people are talking about their partners and it's like oh like i have to find my husband a suit to wear or i have to like so hard to shop for men like don't don't know what i'm gonna do and i'm like i cannot relate or like the number of times that people don't know and automatically assume and so like i'll meet a stranger they'll see my wedding ring and be like oh what does your husband do and then i have to like we're uh, we were just talking about this the other night where i awkwardly have to be like um yeah so uh i i have a wife um and she is a paramedic um so i'm gay um, I guess, you know what I, I have to do like a very awkward rambly coming out situation. I can't just casually be like, oh, my wife is a paramedic. Cause then like they get awkward and I get awkward and then I ramble. And I noticed that we try to be more intentional about confirming that we are a queer couple when we see other queer people. That odd moment when we start acting gayer just because we see a gay couple. We're like, hey guys. If you not get... actually. We'd never... We're, we we're never not... speak to no. them. But no. just so they know that, like, if someone starts hate-criming them, we can... We can... I can become a bully very quickly. Yeah, you know, um... That's what you got. I think I think that's it. That's what you got. You couldn't ask me fun questions. You couldn't be like, "What's your favorite color?" Hey, what's Caroline. Your <laughs> what's your favorite color? I don't freaking know. What's your favorite dog breed? I freaking love poodles. <laughs> you um, hated poodles when we met. I've just really fallen in love with the poodles. Okay, I am anti doodle. <laughs> just me casually sipping my tea over here. Um, I my favorite breeds are. Um, ethically bred or beans from the (laughs) are you a Starbucks commercial or are you talking about dogs (laughs) my favorite dog breed is Finn (laughs) last question for you are you happy you're in a gay marriage yes that was easy (laughs) I was like is this a trick question like 
No, I'm just curious. I mean, just I'm dressed sure. as happy in a gay marriage as I would have been in a straight marriage. Oh, well, that's good to know. I think. I don't know. It was never in a straight marriage, so. <laughs> oh, good point. Do you feel like you lost anything from then till now? I think you're a little less boring now than you were, so that's really not great for my strict 10 o'clock bedtime. So sorry. But, no, I don't feel like I lost anything. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on and interviewing with me. Uh, thanks for sticking life out, uh, despite the sucky parts. Um... Thanks for having a World War Three plan with me. <laughs> and thanks for always making sure I drink enough water. Really, that's why she keeps me around, is to make sure she stays hydrated. Because everybody knows I'm a thirsty bitch. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much for coming on. This week, I hope you analyze why you do the things that you do. Is it because that's the way you've always done them? Is there a valid reason for them? And in the coming week, ask yourself about the relationships that you're in and um, what you would do for the other person. That's it. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>